there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. In a small clearing in North England, shaded by carefully trained shrubs and stately oak trees, lies a large carved marble and stone monument. This is the Shepherd's Monument, and it lies on the grounds of Shugborough Estate, ancestral home to the Earls of Litchfield. Carved into the surface, an image of French painter Nicolas Poussin's work Et in Arcadia Ego depicts an idyllic scene of three shepherds and a shepherdess gathered around an ancient tomb. These artistic and architectural pieces include everything from a druidic ruin to an Athenian tower, but the Shepherd's Monument has perhaps attracted the most interest due to the long unsolved mystery it presents to the world. Below the Poisson relief, a series of ten letters are inscribed in the stone in two lines. On the upper line are the letters O-U-O-S-V-A-V-V. Below them, spaced widely apart, are the letters D and M. For 250 years, no one was able to find the meaning of these ten letters. It seemed like no one ever would, until November 25th, 2004. During a press conference, Oliver and Sheila Lawn, husband and wife codebreakers who decoded Nazi messages during World War II, made a startling revelation. They had cracked the Shepherd's Monument Code. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Richard. And I'm your host, Molly. At ParCast, we are grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to ParCast.com slash merch for more information. You can find all previous episodes of Unexplained Mysteries, as well as all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. 
This is our first episode on the Shepherd's Monument and the mysterious coded inscription carved into it. The monument had puzzled cryptographers for over 200 years until 2004, when it seemed to finally be solved by the husband and wife code-cracking team of Oliver and Sheila Long. This week, we'll discuss the history of the monument and the suspected meaning behind the image that has been carved into the stone. Next week, we'll dive into the theories on the possible meanings behind the Shepherd's Monument inscription. Some believe that the letters stand for a line of poetry dedicated to a long-lost wife. Others think the letters were left by vandals inscribing their initials. According to this theory, the mystery inscription is nothing more than centuries-old graffiti. But a large contingent of people believe the letters are a code, and that by cracking the code, one will find a message left by a secret society. The mysteries surrounding the Shepherd's Monument can be traced back to its commissioner, English aristocrat Thomas Anson, a member of Parliament and of the British landed gentry, with a passion for architecture and exploration. By 1732, Anson, then aged 37, had spent much of his life pursuing his two passions, Greek architecture and getting laughably riotously drunk. He and his good friend, the Earl of Sandwich, had created the Society of the Dilettanti, a dining club which focused on these two pastimes. In the 1700s, secret societies and clubs were all the rage among the British upper class. Some of the most legendary ancient societies we know of today enjoyed a moment of popularity amongst the elite, including the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians, and the Knights Templar. These, in turn, inspired a number of new secret societies, which often were simply invite-only excuses to feel exclusive and drink. Anson, due to his travels to Egypt and interest in Egyptology, became a member of a number of like-minded Egypt-based societies in the 1730s and spent most of his youth drinking his way through Europe and Near East Asia. Anson took a great deal of inspiration from these adventures. So in the 1750s, he began renovating his family estate, Shugborough Hall, in Staffordshire, England. He built a museum of cultural structures on the estate's grounds, including a Chinese pagoda, a Druidic ruin, a Greek Doric temple, and a triumphal arch. Between 1748 and 1763, Anson commissioned Flemish sculptor Peter Sheemakers to build the Shepherd's Monument. The monument, set back against the shrubbery on the grounds of the estate, is breathtaking. Its central carved marble slab is surrounded by a stone arch sculpted into the likeness of knotted gnarled wood. The whole monument gives the effect of an enchanting forest grotto, frozen forever in stone. A relief of the Nicolas Poussin painting Et in Arcadia Ego is carved into the face of the monument. Nicolas Poussin finished the original Et in Arcadia Ego in 1638. A French Baroque painter, Poussin lived most of his life in Rome and painted the majority of his works there. He often painted religious and mythological subjects which were sometimes set in the classical world. 
Et in Arcadia Ego shows a scene of one woman and three shepherds gathered around a simple stone tomb. Two of the shepherds point to the front of the tomb where a Latin inscription reads, Et in Arcadia Ego. In English, this would mean, even in Arcadia, there am I. In art, Arcadia symbolized a perfect utopia, pastoral and simple. According to most popular interpretations, the I in the Shepherd's Monument inscription is referring to death. Therefore, the true interpretation of the phrase et in Arcadia ego is that even in a perfect place, death is there. Poussin's painting is a memento mori, part of a medieval Christian philosophy casting life on earth as short and encouraging people to reflect on their own mortality. The Latin phrase, memento mori, is translated as, remember, you must die. Perhaps the reason why this particular image was chosen to adorn the monument was because of its theme of human mortality. This was meant to establish the shepherd's monument as a place for remembrance, perhaps of a person Thomas Anson lost. On that note, it's been put forward that the Shepherd's Monument is a memorial to Anson's sister-in-law, Lady Elizabeth York. Lady Elizabeth died of unknown causes in 1760 at the age of 34. Such a tragic event would have rocked Sugborough Hall, and it's very possible the Ansons wished to memorialize her with the Shepherd's Monument and commissioned the Poussin relief in relation to her death. However, since work began on the monument over a decade before Lady Elizabeth's death, it seems highly unlikely that it would have been intended as a memorial for her. Instead, the monument's carvings present something of an enigma. Below the Poussin relief are the mysterious letters O-U-O-S-V-A-V-V, separated by periods. On a second, lower line, a large distance apart from each other are the letters D and M. It's possible that Shemakers, the sculptor who actually made the monument, carved the two lines of mysterious letters when he carved the relief, but it's also possible that they were added at a later date. No written documents describing the monument from that time mention anything about the letters. A letter that Lady Elizabeth York wrote to Thomas Anson in either 1756 or 1758 includes a poem written by their neighbor, Anna Stewart, who had seen the monument while it was in progress. The poem, titled Et in Arcadia Ego, was inspired by the theme of death being ever-present in the Poussin painting. Anna wrote the following four lines. The silent monk in lonely cell immured, from every folly, vice, and care secured, should inward turn calm meditation's eye, and life employ in studying how to die. In the letter containing the poem, Lady Elizabeth York only spoke of the Poussin relief and did not mention any letters inscribed on the stone. Although this evidence is circumstantial, it points to the possibility that the letters had not been carved yet. They could have been added after Thomas Anson died in 1773, or even after Peter Shemakers died in 1781. 
other people made later additions to the monument, making it hard to determine what features were added when. In 1763, classical architect James Stewart added a crowned roof and two outer columns to the monument. As we mentioned before, the painting, Et in Arcadia Ego, has its own fair share of mysteries swirling around it. It's very possible that the painting was chosen to adorn the Shepherd's Monument due to the secret meanings many believe are hidden behind the brushstrokes. To dive deeper into the painting's meaning, we must make a radical shift, not only in location, but in time. For in reality, there wasn't much made of the mystery of the Shepherd's Monument until 200 years after its creation. Next, we'll discuss the resurgence in explorations of the meaning behind the Shepherd's Monument and how it may tie into the great conspiracy behind one of history's most coveted treasures, the Holy Grail. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, back to the story. The centerpiece of the Shepherd's Monument at Shugborough Hall is a relief carving of Nicolas Poussin's Et in Arcadia Ego, a painting that has a mysterious past of its own. To attempt to decipher the meaning of the letters carved below the image, it's important to understand the full story of the painting. Many think it has something to do with the French village of Rennes-le-Chateau. Over 200 years after the monument was built, an English writer and TV presenter named Henry Lincoln began looking into the mysteries of this village and found what may be a connection to the Shepherd's Monument. In 1969, Lincoln became aware of the legends about a hidden treasure at Rennes-le-Chateau, France, when he read a book on the subject by Girard de Sede. Lincoln's BBC documentaries the Lost Treasure of Jerusalem in 1972, The Priest, the Painter, and the Devil in 1974, and The Shadow of the Templars in 1979 were extremely popular among the conspiracy theory crowd and brought a new wave of treasure hunters to the village. Though these pilgrims were zealous, no one ever reported finding anything of note in those initial years of searching. But then in 1982, Lincoln released his masterpiece, the controversial bestseller, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Holy Blood, Holy Grail is the definitive modern book on the biblical Holy Grail. Loved by enthusiasts and casual readers alike, 
It's a bestseller that has gone through multiple reprints and has become an essential text to holy grail conspiracy theorists. The book proposed a radical new take on the accepted holy grail mythology. The titular holy grail Lincoln proposed was not the cup used at the Last Supper, as is popularly believed. Instead, holy grail is a coded phrase referring to Mary Magdalene's womb. Lincoln and his co-authors, Michael Bygent and Richard Lee, claimed that Jesus married Mary Magdalene and had children with her. The family eventually emigrated to a small village in the south of France, Rennes-le-Chateau. This might sound familiar to some of you, especially if you're a Tom Hanks fan. Holy Blood, Holy Grail was one of Dan Brown's inspirations for his fictional bestseller, The Da Vinci Code. The novel's plot focuses on a cryptographer unraveling clues in art, architecture, and written works to discover the truth about the Holy Grail. The novel also features a cover-up by a secret society called the Priory of Sion. This was borrowed straight from Holy Blood, Holy Grail. In fact, the Da Vinci Code was so similar to the theories put forth in Holy Blood, Holy Grail that Lincoln's co-authors, Richard Lee and Michael Bygent, attempted to sue Dan Brown's publisher for plagiarism in 2005. They were unsuccessful. Ironically, they lost because they had classified Holy Blood, Holy Grail as a valid historical text. Thus, Dan Brown was free to lift their subject matter for the Da Vinci Code, which was classified as fiction. Like Dan Brown, Lincoln claims the real Priory of Sion hid clues pointing to the location of the Holy Grail in a work of art. However, the artwork in question was not da Vinci's painting, The Last Supper. Instead, Lincoln claims the key to the mystery is hidden in the brushstrokes of Nicholas Poussin's Et in Arcadia Ego. Et in Arcadia Ego was long thought to be a depiction of an idealized world. A meditation on mortality, it reminded the observer that even in a perfect pastoral world, death lurks somewhere nearby. But in Holy Blood, Holy Grail, Lincoln makes a different claim. According to him, the tomb and pastoral scene Poussin painted from 1637 to 1638 is not a symbolic image from the painter's imagination. In actuality, it's a very real tomb located in Rennes-le-Chateau, France. Lincoln first discovered this while working on his first of three documentaries about Rennes-le-Chateau, The Lost Treasure of Jerusalem. He had been sent information about the village by a local popular author named Gerard de Sede. De Sede had written a book that claimed the key to the treasure of Rennes-le-Chateau lay in a series of coded letters written by a long-dead priest. Antoine Bigou acted as the curie, or priest, of Rennes-le-Chateau around 1776 to 1792. He wrote two texts, ostensibly copies of portions of the Old Testament, that were filled with ciphers and secret codes. The coded text, when broken, mentioned two artists, Flemish painter David Teniers the Younger and our old friend Nicolas Poussin. It was Gerard de Sede who pointed Lincoln toward the mysterious tomb on the outskirts of the village of Arc, approximately six miles east of Rennes-le-Chateau. 
DeSed sends snapshots of the tomb to Lincoln in London. As soon as he opened the envelope, Lincoln knew this tomb was unmistakably the same as the one from Poussin's Et in Arcadia Ego. If one stands at the sepulchre, Lincoln claims, the view matches the artwork exactly. The area has the same outcrop of rock as Poussin's painting. The tomb is of similar shape and style, and the peaks in the background of the painting match the vantage point from the real tomb. One of the hills in the background even aligns exactly with the hilltop that is home to Renle Chateau. In his research, Lincoln was able to find descriptions of the tomb as far back as 1709, when it was mentioned in a villager's memoir. Whether it existed in the 1630s when Poussin was painting at in Arcadia Ego is unclear. Lincoln became convinced that the tomb's significance in this story was that it was hiding something of great value. The references to the tomb must mean that the tomb itself covered something valuable. The easiest place to start was the message that was already written out in the painting. The inscription, at in Arcadia Ego, which is painted on the tomb. Two of the shepherds in the painting even point to the inscription, showing its importance. As we've said before, the popular interpretation of this phrase is that it's a reminder of mortality, a memento mori. It means that death is even in paradise. Lincoln, however, thought there was another meaning. According to Lincoln, the phrase et in Arcadia ego is grammatically incorrect. This indicates that the phrase is not a symbolic inscription, but instead is hiding a deeper message. Lincoln believed the phrase may be an anagram. The codes hidden in the Antoine Bigou documents were all anagrams, and he thought it made sense that a hidden meaning could be found here in the same way. Rearranged, the letters in Et in Arcadia Ego make another grammatically correct Latin phrase, Itego Arcana Dei. Its English meaning? Begone. I conceal the secrets of God. According to Lincoln, if this anagram is the true meaning of the inscription in the painting, then it indicates that the tomb in Ark is the final resting place of some important biblical figure, possibly even Jesus Christ himself. According to Lincoln, Poussin was a Freemason, and he was hiding clues in his paintings pointing to the secrets held by the group. If Poussin was painting a particular tomb in Rennes-le-Chateau, it was because he was sending an esoteric message only other society members would understand. Lincoln also believed that the Freemasons knew the truth about the Holy Grail and kept it a secret, just like the Priory of Sion. He surmised that the tomb must house either Jesus Christ or someone from his bloodline. The Freemasons are a widespread fraternity that began as part of a stonemason's guild in the 1300s, although there are stories circulating that they can trace their establishment back to the biblical King Solomon. Through the years, the Freemasons grew into a worldwide group, with members including politicians, businessmen, and innovators. The Freemasons are still active today. The organization has a special affinity for secret symbols, handshakes, and passcodes. Once merely a meeting place for artisan stonemasons, 
Over the years, the Freemason organization developed into a place for philosophical and religious discussion. The fraternity also gained a reputation for keeping secrets. Rumors abounded that the Freemasons were the modern iteration of the famous Knights Templar, an order of knights in Israel who discovered King Solomon's gold in the Middle Ages. The Knights Templar disappeared in 1307 after King Philip IV of France led a coordinated effort to hunt them down. The king declared war on the order, hunting down members, holding mock trials, and executing them. Any of the Knights Templar who managed to escape persecution went into hiding. Many think those remaining eventually became the Freemasons. This belief largely hinges on how both societies were secretive due to their radical beliefs on some religious subjects. One of the notable principles of Freemasonry was its belief in deism. The central tenet of deism is that God created the world but did not interact with it thereafter. The Catholic Church, one of the most powerful forces in the world during the Middle Ages, vehemently disagreed with deism. Deism states that Jesus was a real human man and not divine as he is in Catholic doctrine. By challenging his divinity, the Freemasons were thought to be heretics. In fact, in 1738, Pope Clement XII excommunicated all Freemason Catholics on that premise. Lincoln connects the Freemasons' belief in deism to his interpretation of the Holy Grail. In his view, Freemasons ascribed to deism because they believed Jesus fathered children with Mary Magdalene, thus proving him to be human. As a Freemason, Poussin would have had knowledge of this secret. That could be why he painted Et in Arcadia Ego, to hide clues to the final resting place of Jesus' bloodline. Freemason or not, Poussin was a successful painter with many admirers. At some point in the late 1600s, he gained two important patrons, the Duc de Joyeuse and the Duchesse d'Arc. Prior to her marriage to the Duke and their migration to Rome, the Duchesse had been chatelaine to a plot of land in Arc, upon which stood the tomb in question. Poussin knew the owners of the Arc tomb. He also allegedly knew the secrets of the Freemasons. Was his painting a clue that something of biblical importance was in the tomb on the hill at Arc? Could it be the Holy Grail? Could it be Mary Magdalene, whose womb Lincoln believes to be the true grail? Or could it be Jesus of Nazareth himself? Now, as interesting as all this is, you shouldn't plan your trip to Rennes-le-Chateau just yet. Unfortunately, an overemphasis on exploration has ruined most of what drove people to the site in the first place. According to the locals, this tomb has been the subject of investigation for decades. An American man named Louis Lawrence owned the land in the first half of the 20th century. In the 1920s, Lawrence reportedly opened the tomb but found nothing inside. In fact, he even claimed that because the tomb was empty when he opened it, he actually had his wife and mother-in-law buried there before his own death in 1950. But his claims have done little to stop people from coming to the area to search for additional clues. These visitors became more and more invasive over the decades. 
one treasure hunter in the late 80s even attempted to blow the tomb open using homemade explosives, causing considerable damage. Unfortunately, the tomb was destroyed by the owner in 1988 due to its attraction of treasure seekers and vandals. While we know that the tomb was empty when Lawrence opened it in the 1920s, that doesn't mean it was always so. It's possible that whatever was buried there was discovered or moved long before the 20th century. If Lincoln is to be believed, a painting hiding clues about the tomb has been in existence since 1640, so that would give a clever treasure seeker or Freemason a 300-year head start. If anything, the fact that the tomb was reportedly empty in 1920 just reinforces some theories that there was originally something precious hidden in the tomb that was removed at some point before the early 20th century. But what could it be? Next, we'll consider the theories that may explain the mystery behind the Shepherd's Monument. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Some families were born into. Some families are made from the ones we meet along the way. Our families are built on love and traditions, the memories we share, and knowing that life is better because we're together. Pure Life, 100% pure quality water, refreshing every moment together. Visit purelifewater.com and discover where to buy Pure Life. Now back to the story. The strange history and connections of Poussin's Et in Arcadia Ego make it an interesting choice to decorate the Shepherd's Memorial at Sugborough Hall. But one can't help but feel like it could have been a specific choice made by Anson. Lady Elizabeth York, Thomas Anson's sister-in-law, was a lover of the arts and a fan of Poussin's work. It was no doubt her influence that brought his painting into consideration. But did Anson choose Et in Arcadia Ego because of his sister-in-law's urging? Or was there a deeper purpose behind the selection? We know that Anson was no stranger to secret societies. Although the ones he belonged to were mainly dedicated to drinking and celebrating, they were also places for those deeply interested in history, architecture, and foreign cultures to share ideas. While there's no concrete evidence Anson was a member of the Freemasons or any order with biblical roots, he may have been aware of them enough to recognize Poussin's work as a message. It may also be that Et in Arcadia Ego simply fit the type of artistic and architectural style Anson was trying to bring to the estate. The painting pictured a scene in an idealized ancient Greece which combined classical and romantic images. Even though it was painted in 1638, it fit thematically with the 18th century Greek revival style that Anson was trying to emulate. And this deliberate choice of style may help point to potential clues hidden in the painting. The relief of Poussin's painting on the Shepherd's Monument actually has a number of notable differences from the 1638 original. The most obvious is that the image is reversed. This in itself is not incredibly strange, as oftentimes prints of popular paintings were reversed. 
prints were made from copper engravings, which were exact copies of the original, but this meant that the image was reversed when the ink was transferred to paper or parchment. It's likely that the carver, Peter Shemakers, was working from a print or even printed the image onto the stone to use as a guide. Another notable change in the image is that an ornate stone sarcophagus has been added on top of Poisson's simple stone tomb. Beyond that, two shepherds in the original Poisson painting point to the phrase et in Arcadia ego, one with his index finger pointing to the R in Arcadia and the other pointing slightly above the phrase. But on the Shepherd's Monument relief, one shepherd was instead pointing to the N in in, before his finger broke off sometime in the past few centuries. Above the monument, on the crowned roof James Stewart added in 1763, two carved stone heads look out. One is a likeness of Pan, the horned Greek god of the wild. The other is an unidentified bald-headed man. And below the relief is the most mysterious detail of all, the strange letters. Could these subtle details provide a clue to the true meaning of the inscription? The letters, O-U-O-S-V-A-V-V, have been thought to be initials, an anagram, a secret code, or even an acrostic cipher. But what is their true meaning? The lower line contains only two letters, D and M. These two letters are far apart, so as to be on either side of the first line. D and M were common markings on ancient Roman graves, and many who attempt to decipher the shepherd's monument believe these two letters are meant to continue that tradition. DM commonly stood for the Latin phrase dis manibus, meaning dedicated to the manes. The manes were minor gods or spirits of the underworld that were thought to protect the souls of lost loved ones and family. Long after the Roman Empire ended, many early Christians adopted the dedication and carved DM onto their tombs. If the DM on the shepherd's monument is following in this tradition, it probably means the monument is a funerary memorial. This also fits with the choice of the Poussin painting, which is a memento mori, reminding the observer that death is omnipresent. Are the letters in the top line initials or a code for the person this monument could be honoring? Many lean toward the idea that it is code. It could be possible that Anson, with his varied interests in culture and art, was interested in cryptography. In his 1967 book, The Codebreakers, The Story of Secret Writing, David Kahn traced cryptography back to its roots in ancient Egypt. According to Kahn, the first recorded encryptions were found in hieroglyphics on ancient Egyptian tombs. The writers of these inscriptions would try to transform the basic hieroglyphic signs into more complex characters, which required more involvement from the reader to discover the true meaning. By doing so, cryptographers would add a second, deeper meaning to the text beyond the surface-level meaning of the words the basic hieroglyphs represented. The reason these ciphers were created was for the benefit of the deceased. Picture an Egyptian shepherd who comes across a tomb in the desert. As he passes by, 
the epitaph written outside in hieroglyphs catches his eye. Something about the simple message written on the tomb doesn't seem quite right. There are more complex hieroglyphs than necessary, allowing for different meanings to be ascribed to the characters. Stopping the shepherd and luring him into puzzling out the hidden meaning of the epitaph was exactly what the inscriber intended and the deceased hoped. These second messages hidden on tombs were blessings for the deceased. If passers-by were able to work out the meaning and read the hidden phrase, it would confer the blessing upon the dead resting in the tomb. It was kind of a sneaky way of making sure the dead were honored and not forgotten. During his traveling days, Anson spent quite a bit of time in Egypt studying the architecture there. He even belonged to two separate clubs dedicated to the subject. It's possible that he saw some of these riddled tombs and was inspired by them. When he decided to build a funerary monument on his own land, it's possible he remembered the Egyptian cryptographers and decided to add a cipher of his own. While this gives us a possible reason for the letters, it doesn't explain what they mean. There are dozens of theories as to what the monument's letters mean, and more are being proposed each day. In 2014, a Shugborough Hall spokesman told reporters that we get five or six people a week who believe they have solved the code, so we're a bit wary of them now. Many of those seeking to crack the code have decided they are an acrostic. Each letter of O-U-O-S-V-A-V-V begins a word. One of the more popular and longest enduring theories is that the letters mark out a loving dedication from Thomas Anson's brother George to his deceased wife. This would fit the funerary theme brought about by the DM and the Poussin picture. A second theory states something very different. Instead of being a deliberate code or acrostic, the letters are instead 18th century vandalism. Some historians believe the letters on the Shepherd's Monument are initials, standing for the titles and names of a couple related to the Ansons. If this theory is to be believed, cryptographers have been trying to decipher meaning from Georgian-era graffiti. The third theory we'll dive into next week has to do with secret societies. As we've discussed, the painting Et in Arcadia Ego is a notable choice for this monument as it has quite a history with conspiracy theorists. Some believe the portrait is rife with Masonic symbols pointing the way to the Holy Grail. It's even possible the Holy Grail refers to Jesus's flesh and blood, which may be buried in the tomb in France pictured in the Poussin painting. This theory goes one step further. According to those who believe in it, the Shepherd's Monument inscription hides the secrets of the Priory of Sion, a secret organization who have preserved Jesus Christ's bloodline for the past two millennia. We'll look into all of these theories and more in our next episode, when we'll try to get to the bottom of the mystery of the Shepherd's Monument. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back Thursday with part two of The Shepherd's Monument. You can find all previous episodes of Unexplained Mysteries, as well as all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify. 
and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. See you next Thursday. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Molly Quinlan and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. <laughs>